0: And I remember feeling really intimidated to share about my family. And of course, for me, especially as a mom with kids with special needs, all these things going on and I'm, you know, I'm having to deal with that stuff. And I thought, man, they're not going to take me seriously. Like they're going to think this, you know. This girl's like soft, and it's whatever. Yeah. What I found was the opposite, though. It was almost like it gave them permission to also talk about their families. And as it turns out, they really love to talk about their families. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe I just have special guys that work for me. I don't know, but you know, I-, <laughs> I think that like that's not kind of part of corporate culture. That's certainly not the world that our dads were working in, where you know you kind of like had that handled at home, and you didn't
1: really ever bring it to work. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Megan Hyatt Miller. She is the chief executive officer at Michael Hyatt & Company. And she's also the co-host of the Lead to Win podcast, which is consistently featured in the top 100 in Apple podcasts. As an architect of Michael Hyatt & Company's standout culture, she is committed to helping her team win at work, and succeed at life, while also delivering phenomenal results to their customers. Under her leadership, the company was named as one of Inc. Magazine's best workplaces for 2020, which ranks the top companies in America for their employee engagement. When she's not taking the company to new heights, she is fully present at home with her husband and five kids outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Her new book that she wrote along with her father, Michael Hyatt, is called When at Work, Succeed at Life, Five Principles to Free Yourself from the Cult of Overwork. I am not going to lie to y'all. This was so good and honestly was a conversation I think that I kind of needed just for myself. And so if this was a conversation that really just spoke to me and things that I've been feeling lately, I know that it is going to just minister to so many of you. So I really, really pray that this conversation blesses you the way that it blessed me. But before I get to my conversation with Megan, you know, obviously I love to tell stories behind the brands that change the world. And so I want to introduce you to a new partner of the podcast and that is De Ma. In French, De Ma means two hands. Why two hands? Because everything they create is made by trained artisans who use their two hands to make their life better while crafting beautiful products. Truly, this is a company that is set out to change lives and make a positive impact in the world. It started when the founder Julie wanted to create dignified jobs in Haiti, a place she was growing to love and that was exploding with creativity. She wanted to share this talent with the world. Julie set up an educational program to train people with artisan skills and then went on to build a factory that actually operates on a hundred percent solar energy. Dumas now employs more than 40 artisans that handcraft premium leather goods, jewelry and sandals. Their lives are forever changed by their craft. And what's also cool is their products incorporate an eco-friendly twist working with responsibly sourced materials and repurposed inner tube and tires in their designs. Is that not amazing? And when you buy from Demain, you get to be a part of a movement that is making a difference in the world while adding an incredibly well-made piece to your closet that supports conscious living. You can discover their products online at demain.com. That is D-E-U-X as in the French number for two, De, and MAINS, M-A-I-N-S. That's D-E-U-X-M-A-I-N-S.com. All right, without further ado, on to my conversation with Megan Hyatt Miller. Welcome, Megan. I am so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Molly, this is so fun! I can't wait to talk to you today. This is going to be so fun. Um, so as I kind of briefly mentioned before we started recording, I am just such a big fan of you and your dad. I have followed his work for a long time, your work, um, and uh, so this is just this is something I'm just really kind of looking for. I'm like over here, I'm like kind of fangirl and with your, uh, <laughs> I just love, love, love you guys. Um, and so uh, we're going to dive right in and have you introduce yourselves to my community, and that yeah. is to give us the Megan. 101. So tell us (laughs) who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are today.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, um, I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. I'm the CEO of Michael Hyatt and Company, which is a business that my dad started actually in 2011. Um, His name is Michael Hyatt, as you might have guessed from the name. (laughs) And he was the former CEO and chairman of Thomas Nelson Publishers, which is the largest Christian publishing company in the world and now is called HarperCollins Christian Publishing. Um, So, anyway, so he left in 2011, started our business. I joined him in 2012. And really, I had recently adopted two boys from Uganda, I have five children, they're ages 20 to two now. Oh, my goodness. Um, I know. It's crazy. They're 20, 17, uh, 12, almost 13, 10, almost 11, and two, we thought like, why not add one more and just yeah. uh, be parents literally forever. So I love it. <laughs> we'll be doing it forever. Um, but in 2011, uh, I thought, you know what, I think I'm going to just be a stay at home mom. I don't mean just but like, you know, I'm going to really just focus on these kids who we've just adopted. and that last for about nine months before I was kind of going a little stir crazy so I joined my dad in the business in 2012 things just took off in terms of our business growth and uh, my responsibility in the business it was really really fun and a couple years after that he came to me and he said hey I would love for you to um, become the chief operating officer of the business so that I can focus on some other projects and priorities within the business that are kind of outside of the day to day operations. And so I was really excited and I also kind of went. how am I going to do this with um, these? I I basically ended up with four kids in two years because I married into my first two. Then we adopted our two middle boys from Uganda and our boys um, had some special needs. And so I wasn't sure how on earth I could possibly make that kind of an executive level role work with all these kids, especially the younger boys. And so um, I went to him and I said, dad, I really wanted to say yes to this position. Um, but in order to do that, I have to be done every day at 3.30 because these kids need me. And frankly, like I can't delegate it. I mean, it, it's kind of like mom or nothing. You yeah. Know? And I need to be able to be present for them. At that time, my husband had a corporate job. And so I had more flexibility than he did. And amazingly, my dad said, OK, let's give it a try. If you think you can deliver the, the results, then I'm game to give it a shot. And yeah. we did. And we've kind of never looked back. And so really. What our company does is we're a performance coaching company. We help leaders and their teams um, really get the vision, alignment, and execution that they need to do exactly what this new book that we have out talks about when at work and succeed at life, we call that the double win. Yeah, we don't want people to choose between those two. And so we do that through corporate training, we do that through group and one on one coaching um, for business owners and leaders. And then we do that through our 90 day planner called the full focus planner. So anyway, that's our business. And that's kind of how I ended up here. But my life is full of kids and Pets, and although not sounds like as many pets as you have, you're totally <laughs> taking the cake on that. Uh, but, you know, I'm covered in kids these days,
1: kids in business. Yeah. Well, I, um, like I said, I had uh, kind of followed the work of Michael Hyatt and Company uh, for quite a few years. And this idea of what you kind of call the double win, which I yes. don't remember when you guys first kind of coined that term, yeah. um, but I remember that this being something that had always kind of been woven into the yeah. fabric of everything that you do. And um, it's such a refreshing approach to just kind of pursuing your vocational career in addition to having a a fulfilling and flourishing personal life. And there's this misconception that it's like, oh, well, if you're killing it at work, then that means you're probably doing not so hot in your personal right. life, or if exactly. like your personal life is thriving, then you're probably, uh, you know, slacking off, you know, at your job. Right. And exactly. that, that doesn't have to be the case. And so um, kind of talk to me about how you guys sort of developed this concept and yeah. what you found even in your own life as you were juggling a lot with yeah. five kids and, and and a, you know, a professional, you know, a busy career and all those things.
0: Yeah. Well, I think this concept of the double win really comes out of my dad's and and my personal experience. You know, in his case, he was a total workaholic, all really until his late 40s, when he kind of hit the wall, you know, and he tells the story in uh, detail in the book. This is like when I was in high school. And he was, you know, killing it at work, but he was not present. He was physically really kind of deteriorating. The stress was starting to cause his body to break down. My mom felt like a single parent. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, we're both really open about our stories, which I hope helps people to just kind of find a place in what we're talking about. Because whether that's your story, or maybe like me, you have some real limitations in your life that kind of force this issue, whichever end of the spectrum you're on, you know, we really come at it from our personal stories. And so the book is really the, um, the method that we both used to make this double win thing possible, winning at work and succeeding at life possible, in our lives, and really now our company and, and then in our clients lives, we have 700 business owner clients, and we're teaching them to do this as well. You know, we're really passionate about what the the kind of impact this uh, of this is in people's lives. So you know, this is exactly what I did when I was trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to run and build a company on six and a half hours a day now six hours a day? Yeah, you know, that is like not something not a lot of people doing that, especially with five kids. I mean, that's kind of a weird, so I'm going to have to think differently, think out of the box. And what I love about what we're talking about in the book is one thing, it's super practical and tactical. I mean, this is like getting down to brass tacks of how you're going to make this happen in yeah. your life. But, you know, it's, it's just really realistic. And it's really kind of in the day to day of making this happen for you.
1: Yeah. You know, you brought something up that, man, this is a topic that I mean, we could just do an entire podcast on this is this idea of, and I cannot tell you how many interviews I have done where somebody's interviewing me, where somebody says, how do you do it all? How do you achieve that work-life balance? I mean, I'm asked it constantly. And right. I'm just every like... Every single time you do an interview. Every single time. Yeah. And I'm just like, when was the last time somebody went to my husband and was like, I know. John, how do you achieve this work-life balance? <laughs> how do you do it all? Like uh. not a single person has asked my husband that question. Right. Now right. I get it. I, I get where it's coming from. Like, I, I totally get it. But why is it that it's only women that get asked this question... Yeah. And why, when do you think that shift will start to happen? It's like, oh, well, let's actually ask men the question.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, a couple things. I think I'll I'll ask or answer your last question first. I think men. I mean, for for one thing, this is totally unequally shared still between men and women, just broadly. If you look culturally, like yeah. not in people's individual marriages. Hopefully, that's less true in individual marriages, but absolutely, the cultural kind of expectation is still that women bear the responsibility of being the CEO at home. Yeah. Whether or not they're the CEO at work, you know that that's still like de facto our job. One of the things that I have found really interesting, though, is that I think men have been conditioned to think that it's not okay to bring their personal life into work. You know, Um, I remember when I became the COO of our company years ago, and I had our executive team reporting to me, they still report to me, but obviously, some of those folks were men. And I remember feeling really intimidated to share about my family. And of course, for me, especially as a mom with kids with special needs, like, I mean, you know, I'm getting calls that something's happening at school, and I got to go do this therapy or whatever, all these things going on. And I'm, you know, I'm having to deal with that stuff. And I thought, man, they're not going to take me seriously. Like they're going to think this, you know, this girl's like soft, and it's whatever. Yeah, what I found was the opposite, though, it was almost like it gave them permission to also talk about their families. And as it turns out, they really love to talk about their families. You know, I mean, maybe I just have special guys that work for me. I don't know. But (laughs) But, you know, I, I think that like that's not kind of part of corporate culture. That's certainly not the world that our dads were working in where, you know, you kind of like had that handled at home and you didn't really ever bring it to work. And so I hope that through things like our work and the work that other people are doing and just cultural shifts and general expectations of women, I hope that that changes because I actually think. Men benefit from this. Yeah. Women benefit from this and kids benefit from this when people are getting the double win, winning at work and succeeding at life.
1: Yeah. You know, and I think it's even, at, you know, I hate to bring this up, even though it's like the elephant in the room, but just in the last, you know, 14 months after COVID hit, there's actually like th- these studies that have been done by like the US Bureau of Labor Statistics and the Census Bureau uh, where. 80% of the 1.1 million people who left the workforce in 2020 were yeah. women.
0: Yeah, I think in January, wasn't it 100% of the losses in January were women?
1: Yeah. And it's just, I, I was like, my head exploded when I heard staggering. that. I mean, staggering. Oh, gosh. staggering. And uh, another statistic I read was that the um, unemployment of the female workforce participation dropped to 57%, which is the lowest level since 1988. And Golly. it's just I was eight
0: years old then. Right. And, reference.
1: and I, you know, I was thinking about it. And I was like, I, I get it. I mean, right. when COVID hit, and, you know, my suddenly both of my kids are now at home virtual schooling, right. and I'm trying to navigate all of those things, like, I had the more flexibility to kind of step back from some of the things I was doing in my career and my really kind of just depended on my husband to be able to kind of manage the other aspects of making sure that we could keep the lights on. Um, right. Obviously, right. It would be we'd be fine. But Since that time, like I think about the last year has been really hard for me um, professionally because I've had to put a lot of of my professional pursuits on the back burner because I just simply don't have the time to manage kids and all this. And it's I hit this kind of wall and like here here, we're just kind of like having a therapy session for myself. (laughs) Um, So great. But true. I mean, it's really true. Like I kind of hit this wall even within the last month where I was like, I need to get back to some sort of routine that like I had before covid where yeah. I had a structured work schedule structured in quotes um work schedule and and was able to really spend time pursuing some things professional because I love it and it's right. fulfilling for me and it's not that I don't love my kids and it's not that I don't want Absolutely. to be around them and I it's not that at all but also like I'm tired <laughs> you know? Absolutely. You know. mm-hmm. a- a- yeah, so anyway, I could clearly talk about this quite a bit. Well,
0: <laughs> I feel you <laughs> totally yeah. on this. And I think probably every woman listening is like preach it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think this is where we no one has shown us how to do this, but right. where negotiating as a couple is so important. I don't yeah. mean like a contentious negotiation. No, I just yeah. mean If we can start from the presupposition that we're committed to partnership and co-parenting and that neither of us is the CEO of the family, that we're co-CEOs really, Mm, Yeah. you know, if we're going to use like a business model and that we're going to look together at a more equal division of labor. You know, I actually did this with my husband like three or four months ago. We've done it a number of times before, but all of a sudden I'm like, what is going on? I just feel like my brain is tired. Like I'm making too many decisions. Yeah. Decision fatigue. Those, oh, it's a real thing. It and it was like thing. the home decisions were the ones that were killing me. And I, we sat down on a Saturday um, while the baby was napping. And I just said, honey, can we just like itemize all the things that have to be done and then identify right now who's doing what? And of course, as you can imagine, when we did that, it was very unequal. And he was like, Oh, my gosh, like, you're doing way too much. And I was like, babe, the hardest part of this is the thinking. It's not even the doing, it's the Mm -hmm. thinking, the one more thing that I have to like, keep in my head and like, you know, do gymnastics to plan around or whatever. And so we divided up. And so one of the things that we figured out, you know, we talk about this in the book, the idea of establishing your non negotiables in three categories. So self care, uh, relational priorities and professional results, self care, Mm. relational priorities and professional results. And I realized that I was acting like I had way more relational non negotiables than was actually reasonable. There's not enough mm-hmm. time to do all the things that I had. And so, for example, we said, we talked about doctor's appointments for our kids, and I was like, you know what? I don't know that I need to be at the doctor's appointments unless there's like a specialist appointment or, you know, something really significant. He can do that. You know, his schedule is a little more flexible than mine. I do a lot more things like this, have interviews and things where it's really set. We decided that he was going to do most of the doctor's appointments, or sometimes our babysitter would do some of that. I would go, you know, if it were like mission critical, or then we were, we're right in the middle of all the school transitions, like elementary to middle, you know, college, yeah. middle, yeah. high school, all whatever, the all that stuff, all the things. And he said, why don't I handle all the admissions process? I'll go to the meetings, I'll fill out all the applications, I'll get all the paperwork done, you don't have to do any of that. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, this is a life changer. (laughs) Like, you're right, I don't have to do it. And I think that's really kind of what we're talking about. What is non negotiable? And what is negotiable? And how can you with your partner, figure out a more equitable way of thinking about it? Because he said, honey, I just don't think about this stuff. You just it's not on my mind. I'm not even aware of what needs to be done. But I'll do it if you tell me I'm like, okay.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh, that is such a great that right there is a whole lesson in and of itself. And this I think can trickle down into all these other aspects of marriage is just like sometimes we as women, especially, uh, expect our spouses to have um, mind reading capabilities and right. to just Wouldn't like be
0: nice? <laughs> know
1: what they what we need them to do. And I don't know about you, uh, and I don't know if you're, you're like an Enneagram person. I do like oh Enneagram. yeah totally. I I'll realize that you. some people are very like iffy on it. Whatever, it's very accurate for me, um, and has uh-huh. helped me like explain <laughs> a lot of things within myself. Like so, I am a very very strong Enneagram too with a three wing. And so as an Enneagram 2, Enneagram 2s have a very difficult time asking for help. And so that is very much my personality. My husband is an 8, wing 8. Like he is, there is no (laughs) wing 7. There's no wing 9. He is is an 8. Like 100% he is an (laughs) 8. And so me as the helper, the I don't want to ask for help, like I am just going to do and him as the challenger, like the the very strong personality, um, not in like a not in a bad way. It's just that's his great. He is a great, very determined personality. Like I'm just like, well, he's too busy. I can't ask him for right, help. Right, you know right. what I mean? And so, um, we've had to kind of learn that and navigate how to how to do that in our relationships. And that's so important, whether even it's in like a marriage relationship or in a dating relationship or even in friendships. Yep, beginning to understand each other's different personality and communication types, and mm-hmm. um, and speaking to that and realizing that we can't read each other's minds so you know if you need something then you need to tell people (laughs)
0: and we just forget to even talk about it yeah you know like i i think that when I've had those conversations with my husband, I'm always amazed actually at how well it goes. Yeah. Sometimes I started off by being like a little resentful and that <laughs> we have to work our way out of that for a minute, <laughs> you know, before we get to the part where we're on the same page. I'm like, okay, this is not a good strategy. The yeah. planning strategy does not work well. Yeah. Uh, but once we're really kind of in that headspace of, hey, we want the same things. We both love our families. Yeah. We both love our work. And how can we help each other, like really partner with each other yeah. to build this family, build this business, all that kind of stuff. And I mean, it's just really fruitful. It's just most of us never had that modeled for us how to have those conversations.
1: Yeah. Now I'm curious, as you know, you kind of stepped into this role um, Mm. at your father's company and and you took on more. I'm pretty certain I'm just going to assume that there were some bumps along the way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, I think the bumps probably got mostly worked out before it happened. Well, I mean, we good. had a succession plan in place for several years. So yeah. we knew we were headed toward this. And I think that that enabled the kinks to kind of get worked out. Certainly there haven't been any bumps with my dad. I mean, that, you know, it's like the best succession ever. Yeah. I'm so grateful to him and his humility and his vision and all the things. That's not an easy thing to do. And yeah. mostly people tell me like every time they ask me about it you know, their horror story of, you know, their own family business or whatever. Um, and he's still very much involved. He's working three days a week and kind of a um, more visionary capacity, you yeah. know, which is, is awesome. But I think at home, I sort of knew what I was in for and it wasn't yeah. a huge change. It was more like one little step. To kind of finally make that transition, yeah. I think the hardest part probably was going from having four kids who were all in school to all of a sudden having a two-year-old mm. or you know a baby. I mean, after you, there's um, eight years between our youngest previously our youngest and our baby now, and so that was a big head snap from being able to travel more easily. Um, you know, just like having more flexibility, more time where I could just be like, okay, kids, go do that. I'm gonna go do this thing, and if I'm home, you know, she wants me like nonstop. And so that I think, in a in a way, like in God's providence, that's been a really great thing, because Mm. it's forced me to stay focused on what matters most outside of work. Just like when we brought our boys home in 2011. That was kind of my um, compass that said, Hey, 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 you can't get too out of alignment here, because these kids are counting on you. And I'm really grateful for that.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, that's a really great perspective. And something that obviously you know you worked at it, and it was yeah, something that right. didn't. It doesn't necessarily come naturally. No,
0: not at all. No, it doesn't come naturally. I mean, like yesterday, I came home and it was a nice day, and I thought we should totally take her to the park. You know, like we're getting out, we're doing stuff now. And getting, yeah, bless her heart. she's never been to a restaurant. She's not been on an airplane. Like she hasn't done anything because she's like a COVID baby. But um, anyway, it you know we decided to take her to the park and. I had to like kind of make that mental shift in my head. And this is always a challenge for me anyway, to go from CEO brain. OK, now I'm shifting into mom brain and mm-hmm. I'm going to come home and be present with my kids and I'm going to go to the park and I'm yeah. you know, going to get on the swing with her and catch her on the slide. And, you know, I think uh, we talk in this book, When it Work and Succeed at Life, about the power of non-achievement mm. and how valuable that is for producing results actually in your business. I mean, it's kind of counterintuitive. You would think like, I need to do more achieving if I'm going to achieve. But in reality, there's so much value in non-achievement. And those of us who have kids, I think um, this is a really uh, special gift of having kids Mm -hmm. is that it forces us to remember that there's value in things that are not achievement. And that actually that enhances our work. It's not in conflict with our work.
1: Mm, That is a really, really great point. And I almost think it relates to kind of what we were saying before with the decision fatigue. It's yeah. when we are constantly in this space of either trying to make a million decisions, you've got mm-hmm. a... a gajillion decisions you've got to make every single day, your brain just gets exhausted. And I think it's a very similar concept to when you're trying to achieve, 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 achieve. And it's just like, we're just not created to do that. Right. (laughs) Exactly.
0: And we're certainly not created to do it all. And I think that's been that's been the biggest thing that I figured out with this whole idea of this double win is that there we all know there is not enough time to do it all. I mean, every single person on the planet, I think, has tried to do It all and failed and face planted in the middle of that and just, you know, nearly died from exhaustion. And I think the the truth is, though, there is enough time to do the things that are the most important. Mm. But that means they have to be limited. That means it can't be everything. That's why we, as a part of the process in this book, when we're saying, you know, okay, we want you to define what does a double win mean for you? What does it mean for you to win at work and succeed at life? We ask you to identify these non-negotiables in terms of your self-care and your relational priorities and your professional results in that order yeah. for a reason because that is how you um, guarantee long-term sustainable success and performance we believe there is enough time to do all the things that you put in that category is in each of those categories as long as you're not kind of telling yourself everything is non-negotiable yeah. you know? i mean we have to make hard choices about what we're going to look back on and want to know for sure we did in those areas and what really is going to matter
1: I'm going to take a quick break from my chat with megan to thank our other partner of the show and that is mama suds it is time for your spring clean refresh so let's get that home sparkling clean the safe way with mama suds castile soap is the superhero of soaps it really does it all from the windows to the walls it is truly the only soap that you need So what can you do with Mama Suds Castile Soap? Well, you can clean the floors, scrub the counters, bathtubs, tile, clean the baseboards, windows, blinds. You can even use it to clean carpets. I love to also use it to make dish soap or hand soap. It's incredible. So grab a gallon of Mama Suds Castile Soap and start tackling all of your spring cleaning to-dos at mamasuds.com. And don't forget to use the code Molly for 15% off your order. Now back to my conversation with Megan. One of the things, uh, or I mean, a big, obviously a major focus of the book, uh, When at Work, Succeed at Life, uh, I mean, it's the subtitle, is this Five Principles to Free Yourself from the Cult of Overwork. And that was the first time I had ever heard that term, cult of overwork, (laughs) which I think is, I mean, it it can, it's like a rose by many, many different names. Um, Uh, And it's, uh, I I mean, I was having a conversation this morning with somebody who we were talking about kind of hustle culture and this like just Constant striving, achieving—you know—and you, you see, we're just all inundated with self-help gurus and like, you can do anything you set your mind to. It just like yeah. this very, um, this hu- hustle culture. And I, I love the term "cult of overwork." And so, I'm curious, uh, what are some of the things that that are the tenets of the cult yeah. of overwork, <laughs> and why do you think there's this? It, It's almost like an additional pandemic that we're in. It is.
0: And I think this has been going on for a long time. Long time. time. Long time. Um, Yeah. So I'll I'll just kind of share the tenets of this. And then I'll kind of hypothesize about why I think that this is the thing. Um, The first one is that work provides the primary orientation for life. Hmm. And you might be like, oh, yeah, of course it does. And then what I'd like to suggest is, though, how is that working out, right? I mean, if we're always kind of in this mindset of we're either preparing to work working or recovering from work, we're really neglecting, you know, what we talk about in the book are 10 domains of life. So nine other domains of your life Are being neglected, and what's the cost of that? Even to your work, Um, we would argue that it's high. You know, so that's that's the first one. The other one is, and I think this is one of the most insidious, is that uh, constraints stifle productivity. Hmm. What we talk about in the book is it's actually the opposite. Um, You know, that constraints uh, drive productivity and innovation. Interesting. Um, But I think we've all been led to believe, no, I want to do it all. You know, but think about like a river that has been. Affected by a flood and has no banks, you know it's just a disaster waiting to happen, and that's what overwork really becomes for mm. us in our lives. Um, and then, of course, the work-life balance is a myth. You know we yeah. hear that all the time, and I think I think that's actually a really reasonable one to believe. I think it's yeah. wrong, but it's reasonable, and uh, that's because if you're a high achiever, you probably think, yeah, that's like for people that are not that serious. Um, Or that, you know, for women, especially, it's kind of an empty promise. I mean, we have been sold this kind of lie that we can do it all if only we're somehow smart enough or good enough or I don't know, whatever. And it just leaves us feeling crummy, you know, and like shamey and one more thing we can't do. And so I think while I don't agree with that, I really understand where it comes from. And I have a lot of empathy for it because I think it's, you know, it's been badly passed peddled out there in the world for a long time. And then a lot of us just kind of grew up believing um, a person should always be busy, right? Yeah. Like, gotta be busy. Gotta you know? be busy. Like, How you uh, doing? Busy, busy, busy. busy yeah. Ah! Um, so I think that that's another one. And then the rest is a waste of time that could otherwise uh, go to work. So those are really the the primary kind of tenets here. I think why this is so prevalent are two things. One, I think in our you know, entrepreneurial cultures, corporate cultures, that this has just been rewarded, you know, that we have mistaken brute force for productivity and results and that, uh, you know, we get a lot of identity from that, a lot of accolades and that we're just rewarding the wrong thing. I also think, and this is, whenever I talk about this, people kind of like, you know, visibly kind of have that moment. And that is, I think sometimes we overwork because home is hard. And I can only speak from the, about this from my own experience. But, you know, as I said, I've got kids with special needs. I've got a lot of kids. Work is like way easier than home. I mean, yeah. way easier. Yeah. You know, when when I'm at home, uh, the it's the long game. Sometimes, like yesterday, I had a really tough day with one of my kids and... Laid in bed and cried with my husband at night about it. You know, it's just one of those days where you're like, Will it ever get better? Yeah. You know, the, there's no check boxes. So if you've got teenagers, especially or toddlers, they're not necessarily patting you on the back and saying, Great job, Mom, you I can really tell you're working hard. You yeah. Know? Um and I just think that we we get this real defined identity at work. all of these things. this is kind of like the internal driver. The external stuff is like the pressure from your boss or you know, financial pressure or whatever. But the internal stuff is like, if we're honest, home can be tough. And I don't think that's bad to say. I mean, I love my kids. Yeah. I love being a mom, but it is the hardest job on the planet. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes it would just be easier to work more, you know, and mm. let somebody else kind of deal with that. So um, anyway, no, hopefully I mean, that's freeing to somebody yes. who heard that like, yes, I can relate to that.
1: Yes, that's I mean, that's so freeing. I mean, I think especially just going back to what we were saying before is just like within the last year. I mean, I was saying to my husband, I was like, I haven't had a break. Yeah, I haven't had exactly. a break. And I mean, I was like, I mean, no offense, but like, you get to go to work. <laughs> you get like, right, my work is here. I mean, I'm sitting right now in my office, and I can hear my kids on the other yeah. side of the door over there <laughs> getting more snacks from the pantry that then are gonna, you know, ruin their dinner. And, you know, right. it, but like, I, the 45 minutes that you know, we're, we're here recording is like my break for the day. And, right. you know, and uh, I, you know, I remember there was, um, there was a day, where my husband had just kind of taken the kids to go. Uh, I don't remember where they were going, but he he took them for a couple hours. And I realized that it was the first time I had been physically alone yeah. in like seven months. And I yeah, was like, I've had
0: that moment, too. Oh, my oh gosh. My gosh, I'm alone. I like, can, What do I want to do? What do I want to do? And then I was like, I
1: want to take a nap.
0: <laughs> because yes. that's, that's what that's I always, do. my answer to everything. I tell my husband my love language is spelled S L E E P.
1: Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And, but then let's be honest, we all have this struggle too, where, cause like I'm, I love a nap, girl. I love a nap. Um. <laughs> but then do you ever wake up from a nap and you go, oh man, like uh, I feel guilty. Like I didn't do anything. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, yeah. Sure. And then you have like nap regret, nap remorse. <laughs> Is this a thing? You know, you know, this is a thing. It's a thing. It's, it's a thing. thing. It's like napper. Reg- it's it, instead of like buyer's remorse, it's like napper's remorse. Right. And you're you're like, oh, I should have like been spending time with my family or if I should have been doing this. I could yeah. have used this time to work. No, I needed a freaking nap. OK, that's right. Come um, on,
0: people. <laughs> na- naps make me happy.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah so that that's a, just such a great. Uh, I love the way you kind of broke down those different tenants. And I can just picture my listeners listening right now just like praise hand emojis like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel this. I feel this. Well, this book uh, is just and the work that you and your dad are doing is like I said, it's so needed. It's so needed. Thank and you. I think even more so than ever, you know, because I I think about like the culture of like, I, I mean, so my dad is about to turn 77. Mm-hmm. He was born the day before D-Day. Oh, so wow. June 5th, 1944. His dad was deployed uh, fighting in World War II. Amazing. And I think about like, the culture and the generation of my grandfather and even my dad's childhood. And I'm like, they I mean, yes, they worked their rear ends off. But also at the same time, like, this idea of, like, the cult of overwork and hustle culture, like, yep. it would be totally foreign to them. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that, like, the, that, that culture at that time was perfect, by no means. But it's just interesting right. to see the shift over the generations yeah. from, uh, yep. from what it was to what it is now. It's fascinating to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Well... I mean, we're all holding computers in our pocket. Yeah, you know that's part of it. Oh, for sure. Go everywhere. All the notifications, all the things, you know, that if we don't kind of define this double win for ourselves and yep. do some of the things that we talk about in this book, like constraining our workday and scheduling the things that matter and identifying those non-negotiables and yep. that kind of stuff, which again, we really get into in very practical ways because we want you to be able to implement this. That's the goal. It's not a philosophical book as much yeah. as it is like, here's how you can actually do this thing. Right. You know, if we don't take control, the overwork tsunami will just carry mm. us away. I think it, it's, uh, it's so powerful that mm. it has that effect. And so I think the only way to to really get that balance, so to speak, is to get intentional about what you want, what really matters to you, and then get this, you know, plan for implementing it. I think otherwise, you know, the, the technology is against us. Let's put yeah. it that way.
1: Now, I know in writing the book, you and your dad also did a lot of research to Mm -hmm. kind of back it up as you guys were or kind of back up your hypothesis or or whatever the the terminology is. um, I'm kind of curious, you know, as you were doing the research for this, was there anything that you learned along the way that maybe surprised you?
0: Yeah. One of my favorite studies was a study that Microsoft did. And um, what they found is that people who worked 45 hours a week, which is like we would most of us consider that's that's a pretty reasonable amount of hours, that only 28 of those hours were actually productive. Mm. That's Microsoft. I mean, this is not like some, you know, you know, old school, like Dilbert kind of environment. This is Microsoft, like a yeah. pretty innovative company. And what they found is that you really just get about six good hours a day. I think that's kind of good news, bad news. I mean, what we know is that once you get over about 50, 55 hours a, a week of work, you're not getting any more productivity gains. I mean, yeah. the, the it's like the law of diminishing return. So it's, it's like you're working harder, but you're not working smarter. It takes more energy and effort to do the same things you could do in less time if you're um, less tired, you know, first and foremost. So the good news of that is, I mean, from as someone who has worked six, six and a half hours for years and years, it is possible to get everything you need done in your business in that amount of time, if you're really clear on things being high leverage, you know, that's the question I'm always asking, what is the most high leverage? you know, tasks or projects I need to do today. So I'm always thinking about that. And that's what I want my team thinking about. That's what I want our clients thinking about, you know, because there's not time to waste if you're going to do six hours, but there is enough time if you're really focused and you're really clear. That's why we spend so much time in the book talking about how, you know, how do we help you get clarity on what matters to you? Because once you have that clarity, now you really can implement it as long as you're not clear. And this is whether this is on a macro level, like defining your double win, or this is on a day level, trying to identify what are your priorities for the day. You've got to have clarity on what's really going to give you the biggest bang for the buck. Um, And then I think it becomes possible. So uh, anyway, I I love that story because I think it's backs up what we say, but it's also freeing. It's like, especially if you're, you know, mom and you're, you're running a business, you're starting a business or whatever. You don't need to work sixty hours a week. You don't right. need to try to figure out how do you do that while raising your kids. It's not necessary.
1: Right. Yes. And I almost think of it like uh, the way I kind of approach it. Maybe this is not the way to approach it. Is like it's like almost like daily task triage. Uh-huh. It's just like all right. Here is what absolutely needs to get done today. Here is yep. what is going to move the needle forward. And then prioritizing. Mm -hmm. within that and saying like, okay, this is the most important. These are the most important things that I need to get done today. Here are some things that I'd like to get done today. Here are some things that if I've got extra time, I can work on, but they're not... Yeah, it's not a priority, and, yeah. and going through there, yeah. Because I mean, otherwise you can just sit there and you look at your task list for the day, and you're like, Ugh. it's like
0: forty things long, and there's no discrimination between <laughs> any of the types of tasks, and you're like, this is literally impossible, and uh, it, is. it yes. is possible.
1: Yes, yes, Um, oh, that's so good. You know, I was thinking about there was a speaker I had heard a few years ago, and he'd mentioned this book. So the book is actually by a guy by the name of Randy Carver. He was not the speaker, but he was talking about. It was like one of the things he was talking about was um like with email, how quickly we can get overwhelmed with email. Yeah. And what he did was he created in his inbox, he created a folder that is literally titled 1440. And the reason I know this is because I went and did this myself. And he created this, this awesome. folder. And he's like, what I did was I was so overwhelmed with my email that I moved all of my emails to this folder called 1440. And then realizing like, okay, starting fresh, I now have a zero inbox, even though they're all in that 1440 email. But remind that 1440 is reminding myself is that there's 1440 minutes in one day. Mm. And I can only do so much in that time. And there's it's all about time management everywhere anyway. But the point being is just that like, then what he could do is but he would go in and kind of again, triage, but then really break it down even more of like, okay, what are the things I need to reply to today? And then what are the things that I'm just going to delete? And I'm just not going to worry about it, because it can't so good, it can't take up my time. And it's like, it has to be to remember that like time is something that I am never going to get back
0: right it's the biggest scarcity there is yes our time is precious we need to become jealous for it yes
1: yes 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 so it just what everything you were saying just reminded me of that and so Megan this has just been um like I said I I love the work you do I love this book um and I think it's so needed Um, so, but before we go to our kind of get to know you round here at the end, um, is, you know, obviously you've got a lot on your plate, but you're, you know you're winning at work and succeeding at life. You've got the double win Uh, But what's on the horizon for you uh, in the next year or so.
0: Well, you know, we're growing our team. I think that's where a lot of my focus is, is our coaching and corporate training parts of our business are growing rapidly. And so we're building our team to accommodate that. And it's really fun. I love adding people to our team. We have about 25 people we're hiring this year. I imagine it'll be something like that or more next year. And it's so fun because um, when we bring these capabilities in and these different personalities and just have that kind of diversity, it just becomes more and more fun to create because we have more and more resources. So there used to be a time when I was really committed to a very small company because I thought if I was honest, I was intimidated about leading a bigger company. But now I just I feel so grateful and so excited to see these people come through our doors. And hopefully that will be happening literally more as time goes on. So I'm really excited about that. Um, But I'm just excited about going deeper and serving our clients and customers better and better so that really they and their teams can experience this double win.
1: Mm. So good. So good. All right, Megan. And for the listeners, I will have all of uh, Megan's details in the show notes along with uh, links to get the book. Go buy this book, um, especially for I know that there are a ton of entrepreneurs and small business owners that are listening to this podcast and who are burnt out. I know it because you send me emails. (laughs) So, and you tell me that you're burnt out. Um, So, you need this book. Go buy it. Uh, You can get it wherever books are sold. And so, yeah. Go do that. Uh, so, Megan, now's the time for the get to know okay. you round. I'm like
0: terrified and excited. Don't all the same don't time. be scared.
1: Don't be scared. <laughs> don't be nervous. Um, okay. Question number one: What is your guilty pleasure? Uh,
0: definitely magazines and Netflix <laughs> alone in my bedroom. Yeah, Put the baby down. I need like an hour to myself. So that like that's it. usually what's going on.
1: All right. What Netflix thing is are you binging lately?
0: Um. Well. Uh, this is kind of embarrassing. I'm kind of like running out of shows, actually, because I watched a lot of shows during COVID. So if you have any great recommendations, I would love to hear. I did watch Bridgerton. I did love it. I cannot endorse it because it's a little risque. It is very but, risque. But it was kind of
1: great. It so, was really good. So OK, here's my it, then I did we'll some move fast on.
0: forwarding just, to, you know, so my parents
1: aren't scandalized. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, here's my quick thing about Bridgerton. So um, I did not know it was based on a series of books, but yeah. I love, you know, kind of those romance novels. Uh, Spoiler alert, and this is actually going to lead me into my next question, is I binge read all eight Bridgerton books what? Um, in the last there are
0: eight books. Okay. This is like great news to me.
1: Oh my gosh. I love them so much. Um, okay, and I'm I just, them on I'm We're literally done. finished <laughs> re- finishing. Like as of today, I'm finishing the eighth book and I'm really oh sad for the series to end. Um, but I had no idea. This is the, so yeah. So season one of Bridgerton is based off of book one and it's, yeah, and so each book is based off of one of the Bridgerton siblings and their romance. And so season one is like based off of the book. The books are not nearly as scandalous as the okay. show so but I will say I loved the show Um, I was like oh this is such a cute show from episodes one through five and then episode six happened and I went whoa, um, whoa. so I, yeah, I Where's did that do, fast forward button I did do <laughs> some fast forwarding so um, but it, yeah it's really well done and I just I really love the casting I think it's really yes, it's fantastic fa- I love Shonda Rhimes so I, I yes. yeah I thought it was wonderful and really well done and I'm really looking forward to I really just want to get to at least season three and season four, because okay. books three and four were my favorite. And they were right. so good. I'm so excited about this. Thank Yes. You. Okay. They're really, really, I really need great.
0: Another show. I just need to order these books. Yes. All right. Yes.
1: Because I, yeah, I was like, I, I need more. And so I just yes. decided to binge read the books. Okay. Um, well, that leads me to my next question. And one thing I know about your dad, and I assume this about you as well, um, is that your dad is a voracious reader. Yes. Um, he loves, loves, loves to read. I mean, he was the former you know, CEO of a publishing house. So Yeah, kind of makes sense. Um, So my question for you is, are you a reader? And if so, do you have any books that you've been loving lately? It can be not fiction, nonfiction, anything.
0: Okay. Um, So let me think about this for a second. The book that I'm reading right now professionally um, is called Culture Renovation by Kevin Oaks. It mm. just came out maybe a couple of months ago. I heard him interviewed on Brene Brown's Dare to Lead podcast. Yeah. And I was really excited about what he was talking about. Very culture focused, obviously. Um, another great book I read recently is called The Healing Organization. Mm. Um, that's by Michael Gelb and Raj Sisodia. And I love that book. It's almost like Capitalism 2.0, just mm. like kind of a more compassionate capitalism. How do you build an organization that really is not just, uh, you know, financially doing well, but also, also doing good in the community and it's with its employees and all that I think a lot about that so that's great I also just started reading um, a book on racial justice called reparations that Baker published um, Mm. I think it's Brazos Press Uh, I have three of my children are African-American and so this is a really important topic for us and that is a fantastic very faith-based um, book and probably I've read a lot of books on the topic and that's probably the very best one Mm. that I've read. I'm almost Mm. done with it. So anyway, if that's of interest to you, I highly recommend
1: that too. Yeah. Well, I am absolutely, uh, looking at that. So, um, thank you adding all of those to my list and (laughs) okay. Um, so who would you like to sit next to on a 16 hour flight? Well, if sitting alone wasn't an option, (laughs) which actually sounds kind of great. I know. Right. (laughs) I kind of would like I'm to sit introvert. on Can
0: you tell I'm like, I need to be alone
1: <laughs> for, for 16 um, hours? OK,
0: I think I would probably want to sit next to Brene Brown, actually. Oh, I'd right. to talk with her about her work. I'm just really fascinated by her perspective on leadership. Yeah. And have found it very relevant. And um, I think this stage of my career, I would enjoy that conversation from yeah. a professional yeah. standpoint.
1: That's a great answer. I yeah. love it. Um, okay. And then the question that I ask all my guests is, uh, Megan, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Hmm.
0: Well, for me, it's not just about the impact that we're having outside of the company, although that's very important. That's certainly you know why we have a business. Yeah. I, for me, the impact that I'm having in the lives of my team members is my top priority, mm. and that's the most rewarding part of my work. That's what I think the most about. And if you're thinking maybe like, how does that quite work? How, you know, how does how does that make your business work? I, my philosophy on this, and this is not original to me, but you know, if I take care of my team, yeah. then they're going to take care of my customers, and I feel like you know, if we can't do it here, we can't do it anywhere. And so this is like, we're the crash test dummies, we're the case study, like, I always want to be prioritizing the people in our company and their well being and their thriving. Um, you know, because that's, that's really what matters most. And that's good for our business in the end.
1: Yeah, my husband has the a very similar philosophy is, um, you know, he runs his own business as well. and And he's talked about that before. He's like, you know, I really want to be able to take care. I want to hire more people, pay them well. And like, I want to yep. bless the people that are working for me because then they go out and bless others and they bless my clients exactly. and, um, things like that. And it's a really, uh, I love that perspective. Um, we were talking about before we were recording. I saw your dad as a keynote speaker at the advisor's Excel um, right. world series of, of sales last year in Vegas, uh, which is a company that my my husband works with. And uh, that's a great example of a company that, you know, the founder uh, Cody Foster, he, he and two other guys founded the company, like, I have talked to so many people that work for that company and they love it. And the yeah. way that they bless their employees and it's just a massive company and they, the way they bless their mm-hmm. community is, uh, it's really inspiring. So thank you That's for sharing a that. Huge
0: inspiration. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, Megan, this was a, such a blessing. Thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is a busy schedule, but just to, uh, to sit down with me and, and share your heart and your, uh, your vision for for people winning at life and winning at work. Well, Molly, thanks for having me. This has really been the highlight of my day. Oh. I just feel like we're like two girlfriends just hanging out. and talking. It. So I, I love, love it. it. <laughs> I love it. Just you know, chatting everything about uh, you know philosophy on women in the workplace and Bridgerton. Exactly. so <laughs> all the things. <laughs> I would love to know what you loved about this episode or if there was something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can find me at still being Molly or at business with purpose podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use the hashtag business with purpose podcast. Another thank you to our partner of the show. Mama Suds. Don't forget to use that code Molly for 15% off and shop at mamasuds.com. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener of the show, Welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are quite literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or basically wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe or follow button to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.